Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys here today and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I hope today you guys feel loved and cared for. We uh, love you guys and know that, man, you guys are such a huge part of the life of Foothills Church and uh, it's always great uh, to celebrate our moms. Make sure you get that good photo op with her and uh, guys, don't forget to stop by Walgreens to get the card and all that good stuff. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm sure you're prepared. Um, if you got your Bibles, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. We're in a sermon series called We Can Know. So the idea for this series is that John is writing to uh, the churches, the, the early churches that were struggling with division. They were struggling with these false teachers that had come into the church and they were, they were wondering who they could listen to and, and uh, what, what should we believe. And so John writes this letter to clear some things up. And he says, this, this is the truth. You can know what it, what it means to follow Jesus. You can know how to have eternal life. You can know what it means to have your salvation eternally secure. And so he writes these things so that we can know. And so I think they're incredibly important for us. And so uh, we're going all the way through the book of 1 John together. Uh, today we're in 1 John 1. Uh, several years ago, there was a movie called Liar, Liar. Uh, Jim Carrey was the star in this movie. And uh, it starts off and he's a lawyer and he, uh, he lies quite a bit. And, um, and as a result of that, he's hurting people and uh, really hurting his son. And so his son is disappointed and hurt by all the lies of his father. And, and so his birthday wish as he blows out the, the candles is that his father would go an entire day without lying. And so uh, it comes true. And so that's kind of the whole point of the movie. And it's a, it's a comedy. And so uh, the, the, the funny part of it is that he lies so much that uh, he's constantly contradicting himself. And so the only thing he can say is actually true statements. And so uh, he's, he's in this, in, in one pivotal scene, he's fighting with his ex-wife and she's trying to move on and marry her boyfriend and he wants her back. And so they're going back and forth. He's defending himself. And, and uh, in this moment of clarity, remember he cannot lie. So he tells the truth and he blurts out, I'm a bad father. And in that moment, it just kind of hits him and the music starts to play and it focuses in on his face as he's realizing that he has been lying and really lying to himself. As he's lied to himself, he's making excuses and dodging all the you know, realities of how his lies have been impacting his family. And, and it was just in that moment that really the trajectory of the whole movie kind of shifts and, and, and the rest of the movie is him just trying to make amends. But I think it's important to kind of recognize that sometimes that outward confession of your sin, a verbal outward confession of your sin is a powerful way that God grows us. It's a powerful way to change us. And so there's just something about confession. There's just something about saying it out loud to God, to others that cleanses us, that changes us, that, that grows us in a powerful way. Uh, the truth is everybody in here has, has lied before. Uh, we can all admit that we've told a lie. Uh, we've been lied to as well. And so when, when a loved one lies to us, it is painful. It is, it is hard to uh, accept that. It's hard uh, to deal with that. But many of us are continuing to lie today. Some of you are lying to yourself. Some of you are lying to others. And even worse, there are some in the room who are actually lying to God. 
And so today in this particular passage, John talks about how you and I can make God a liar. And he's gonna tell us how we have to stop lying and how we can indeed begin to walk with Jesus. And so uh, we wanna get to that point to where we're walking, clearly we're walking with Jesus. And so beginning in verse five today in 1 John, he says this, this is the message we have heard uh, from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Um, he starts with three if we say statements. If we say this or that, this is gonna happen. And then he makes two other statements that, that say if we do something else, this is gonna happen. And so before he goes into that though, he starts with who God is. He starts with the, the idea of who God is and he says, God is light. God is light and in him is no darkness. And so the idea here is that God is holy, he is right, he is sovereign, he is true, he is righteous, he cannot do anything uh, sinful, he cannot even think sinful thoughts, he does everything perfectly and clearly, he is light. There is no darkness in him. Uh, back in 2017, how many of you guys remember the total eclipse? I think it was 2017. Uh, we were blessed enough to kind of be here in East Tennessee right in the path of total eclipse if you weren't here at that time. And it was, it was really uh, quite something. I mean, you know, you're, you're sitting in the afternoon, the sun is out, right? And so you can slowly begin to see the, the moon creeping in front of the sun, right? And so eventually uh, total eclipse totally in front of eclipsing the sun. And in the afternoon, it went completely dark. And it was just this eerie feeling. All the birds stopped flying around and chirping and all of a sudden all the crickets and all the bugs started making their noises. And for just a few moments in the middle of the afternoon, it was completely dark. I mean, it was, it was eerie. It was, it, it was really interesting. And so uh, I was with my, my kids, my, my mom was with us. And just like every good mom in the room on that day, you were probably telling your kids, put your glasses on, don't look at the sun, you know? Because when you're, when you're waiting for that moment, you wanna look up and you wanna see the moon kind of creeping in. But if you do, you know, the sun is like blaring in your eyes. So you had to have those special glasses, right? And so I could, I videoed that afternoon and, and I just heard my mom over and over again say, Bryson, put your glasses on, Bailey, get your glasses on, you know? And what do kids wanna do as soon as, you know, your mom tells you to put your glasses on. <laughs> We've all done it. We wanna take our glasses off and we wanna look at the light. And as soon as we do, it burns our eyes. We have to turn our heads and, and then we can't see for a minute. And those bl blotchy black specks, you know, come up into our eyes and we can't see for a, for a moment. Uh, but we know if we continually do that, it's gonna burn our eyes. It's not, 
it's not a, a, a good thing for us. And, and the reason is because the sun is too strong, it's too powerful. And uh, the idea here when John says that God is light is that, that he is the true light. And so when you think about the sun, when you think about light, light enables us to see, it gives us vision. We can see and, and see each other and, and live our lives uh, with sight. It, produces growth, it allows plants, it allows us to grow. We, you know, there's no growth without sunlight. It reveals beauty. It also reveals blemishes or, or sin around us. It guides us as we are on our journey in life. And, and so we need that sun to guide us. It also warms us. And so the idea here that God is light, yes, he is holy and he is right, but it also conveys the idea of life, that in God, there is life. In fact, he is the source of all life. And so if you deny God, you deny life. If you deny Jesus today, you are denying true life in your own heart, in your own life. And so he starts by saying, God is light. And then he begins to move in this direction of saying, in light of who God is, this is how you and I are to respond. Because when we first understand who God is, his righteousness, his holiness, his glory, the fact that he is just so powerful that we can't even take a glimpse of him, right? When we understand how holy and right and good he is, then it's only in that moment that we can begin to understand what darkness is in our life, what sin really is. Now, if we compare ourselves to the world around us, we're gonna think that we're pretty good people. I'm not so bad, I'm not as, good as, I'm not as bad as that guy, I'm not as bad as this guy over here, so I'm doing pretty good, but... The scripture doesn't call us to compare ourselves to each other. We're to compare ourselves in light of the gospel and who Jesus is. And so as Christians, we've gotta be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're sensitive to the Spirit in our life. He, he shines that light onto sin in our life. And if we're sensitive enough for walking with him, we'll, be, we'll recognize that sin, we'll confess it, we'll walk away from it, we'll run from it. But he says in verse six, let's go back to it. Here's what he says. He says, if we say we have a relationship with God, and if we say we have uh, communion with God, but we're walking in darkness, essentially he's saying that we are lying. We're lying. So some people in the room today are, are lying to other people. If you say you have a relationship with God, but you are walking in darkness, he's saying that you are lying to us today. Nobody likes to be called a liar, but the reality is some people in the room are watching today are lying. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Tuckalichi Caverns uh, out in Townsend, but good trip for uh, young kids. Um, I took my older kids to it, so it wasn't quite as awesome, but still a fun trip. And uh, you walk inside the cave and, and uh, you know, if you've ever been inside of them, it's, it's, it's cool. And uh, we went to this one room that was this massive room and they call it the big room. Great name. It's the big room. And uh, they've got all kinds of formations and it's lit up really cool. And so they're explaining all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, right as, you know, wh where we're standing is, is all nice and we can see this huge massive room, but then there's like this 30 foot drop off into the depths of, I don't know where it goes. Hell, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to, I'm not looking. Um, but here we are, I'm worried about bats flying around. And they say, okay, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna turn the lights off. And everybody's like, oh crap, here we go, right? There's a 30 foot drop off here. They're about to turn the lights off. I'm looking at my teenagers and I'm like, look y'all, 
This is not funny, no joking around, no scaring, no wrestling, nobody's dying today, right? And so they hit the lights. And, and if you've ever been in pitch black darkness, it, you can't even see you know, your hand in front of your face and it's creepy. And then when you're in a room with you know, 40 other people with a 30 foot drop off, it's just not like you don't wanna be in that moment very long. And the guy next to us, he starts to panic, I guess. And uh, he pulls out his phone and he turns his flashlight on ruins the whole experience, you know, for all of us. But I think the idea is sometimes when you experience darkness like that, uh, we're so, un some people are just extremely uncomfortable and they've got to run, run to the light quickly. Just like that, that guy. And then there's other people who, when they experience that darkness in their life, they, they tend to get a little comfortable in it. They tend to linger in that darkness. And before long, you're kind of used to it. And before long, you, you forget what the light kind of looks like. And before long, you do what some of the people around that guy did as he turned his flashlight out on. And, 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 and they were saying, hey man, turn your light off. We wanna be in the dark, you know? We wanna experience the darkness. You're ruining it for the rest of us. Turn your light off happens in the world as well. Um, if you play in the dark long enough, you start to get used to it. There's an old, um, I don't even know who gets credit for this, but it's a sermon, it's a statement, you've heard it before. When you play around with sin, it always takes you further than you were willing to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you were willing to stay. And sin will always cost you more than you were willing to to pay. So the idea is that as if we linger in the darkness of that sin, it will cost us more, it will take us further, and we will stay longer than we ever intended to stay. So the encouragement for us, I think from John, is don't lie to others about your relationship with Christ. Don't lie. If someone claims to be a Christian, they claim to be in fellowship with God, yet his life is characterized by sinful behavior, he's lying and he's not practicing the truth. And so some of you in the room today are lying. You say you're a Christian. You say you have fellowship with God, but you are in fact lying to us. And so we have to pray and we have to ask God, God, open up our heart. Fellowship with God means that we have a relationship with him, that we have eternal life with and through Christ, and we are in a right relationship with God. If you say you know him, if you say you're in a relationship with him, it means that you know Jesus, you're walking with Jesus. But in fact, if you are saying that, but you're not practicing the truth, John is saying that you are lying. Now, verse six could be applied to Christians or even to non-Christians. He's saying, if we lie. So whether, whether you are or you are not, you could be someone who is saying that you know the truth, but you're not living the truth. So the question then I have when I read this is, can a Christian walk in the darkness? Can we really be in a right, right relationship with God, but then walk in darkness? And so when we, when we scan and read and understand the scriptures, we know that there are two realities. And the first reality is that there are some in the church who live out, if they live out of step with the gospel, 
and continually live out of step with the gospel and continually um, habitually walk in sin, then there's a good case that you have never truly experienced a salvation moment. There's a good chance if that's you today that you have never really been saved. Another reality in the scripture is that it is possible for a Christian to sin and to actually live in their flesh for a season. And yet, they can still be truly saved. The Bible really affirms both of these truths. So where do you sit? The truth is, I don't know. Only you can decide that. Only you can say, God, help me to understand where my soul stands, where my life stands with your truth. I can't stand up here and try to convince you otherwise or try to tell you to do something. We don't wanna cause confusion in anyone's life. I think what the scripture wants to do is enlighten us to shed light on our current situation that every single one of us would, would just be honest and just look at, do I have a moment, first of all, where, I, I, where I've truly confessed my sin to Jesus, given my life to him. The Bible would say that you've, you've moved from an, an enemy of God to a child of God. The Bible would, said, would say that you have moved from darkness to the light. And is there a moment in your life where you have clearly done that? You were not born a Christian. You, you, you tend to learn, if you grew up in the church, sometimes it can be confusing, like you learn a, a little bit about the gospel and a little bit about the gospel. And when I was seven years old, you know, I, I prayed a prayer and I got baptized, but, but I realized later in my life that, man, there really wasn't a lot of evidence for me like walking in the light. There wasn't a lot of knowledge, like, like I didn't really understand what I had done or what I was doing at that point. And so Later on as a teenager, I, I truly gave my life to Christ. And so it uh, doesn't mean that I lived a perfect life after that. There were seasons of sinfulness. But in that season of sinfulness, the difference was that there was a wrestling with that. There was a wrestling with guilt and shame. And there was a, there was a continual uh, attitude of, okay, I've got to, I've got, I know this is wrong. So there was, there was confession and there, there, was, there was growth in that confession. And, and so that's really what the journey of following Christ looks like. And so I think we have to do some internal work today. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about sin. He says, sin may enter the heart of a Christian and fight for dominion, but it cannot sit upon the throne. The Christian no longer loves sin. He looks upon it as a deadly serpent whose very shadow is to be avoided. So has sin, as sin fights for dominion, have you allowed it to sit on the throne? I think that's the difference, right? I think that's the, the huge shift that, that we would look to in our own light. Are we fighting against this? Are we moving away from this? Are we becoming aware of this? Or have we just gotten comfortable in the dark? And only the Holy Spirit can tell you where you're at today. Let's keep going in verse seven, look back at it. He says, if we walk in the light, right? So what happens if you and I walk in the light? He says, we have fellowship with God's people. And then secondly, the blood of Jesus cleanses you. So to walk means that you, you really are, are living. The, the, the Greek word walk there is in the present tense. So, so how you are living today, your lifestyle today, 
He says you cannot walk in darkness and be practicing the truth at the same time. So where and how are you walking? He said it is the blood of Jesus then that cleanses you. So the encouragement then, I think what he shows us is this. Walk with Jesus and you'll have healthy relationships with God's people and all your sin is washed away. So how is our sin washed away? Again, the blood of Jesus then washes and cleanses us of our sin. Right? That's important. That idea of, of the blood of Jesus washing and cleansing our, 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 our sins away. Uh, really referencing and going back to this idea that the cross where Jesus dies is the atoning sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. He had to die. He shed his blood so that you and I could have forgiveness and have a right relationship with God. He had to be sacrificed. Only he was a worthy sacrifice. And so as the old hymn says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Where and how is that? It says through the blood of Jesus. You might expect the Bible here to say that if you walk in the light, you're gonna have a relationship with God. And of course you do, but it doesn't say that. What it says is that you're gonna have fellowship or you're gonna have a relationship with God's people. I think it just assumes that you're already gonna have a relationship with God if you're walking in the light. But the benefit of walking in the light is healthy relationships with God's people. And as we learned last week, fellowship is not just knowing people who are Christians. It's not just eating with people who are Christians. It's not just having Christian friends. No, it goes much deeper than that. It means that we have, yes, a relationship with Christ. And out of that relationship then, it causes us to participate with other Christians, right? That's why we call you partners and not members. Members gives us the idea that you have joined a country club and now it's the job of, you know, the owners, the pastors to give you this plush Christian experience. But that's not what a New Testament church should look like or function as. That's not what God is calling us to. Fellowship means that you share a common love for Christ and his mission. And as a result now, then we join and we partner together to grow together, to work together, and to reach our city and the world for the gospel. That's why we have to stay united. That's why we have to fight for unity and put aside petty issues. That's why we don't just give up when things are hard and walk away and, and just leave because lost people in our community are counting on us. They're counting on us to focus on the mission of God because there is a broken and dying world and God has called us to be that light in this dark world. And if you walk in the darkness, if you are living in sin, you are hurting the Christians in this room. Just like if I walk in sin, I, I hurt you. It hurts my family, it hurts you. When you walk in sin, it hurts me. And I don't even know what you're doing, but it breaks relationship, it breaks uh, fellowship together. That's why, you know, the illustration that Paul gives us in the New Testament is that as the church, we are the body of Christ. And we know that as, as a physical body, if I turn my ankle playing basketball or I, 
you know, you hurt your foot. If, if there's an injury to your foot or to your ankle, does it impact your entire body? Of course, you walk around with the limp until it's healed. And in the same way, if someone is, is, is hurting in sin, walking in sin, it, it, it makes the whole church walk with a limp. And so we wanna recognize it. We wanna understand it. We want to walk in the light so that we can have healthy relationships with God's people, knowing that our sins have been washed away. Let's keep going, verse eight. He says, if we say we have no sin, right? If we say we have no sin, then what happens? What are we doing? Well, we lie to ourselves. So the first one was we're lying to other people. We say that we have a relationship with God, but we really walk in darkness. We're lying to everybody around us. This one kind of turns it inside, which is even worse almost, isn't it? That we would lie to ourselves. And he also says that Jesus is not in us. So if you say you have no sin, you're lying to yourself and Jesus is not with you. You see, sin is not a popular word in our culture. We don't really like to talk about sin. It's not a popular subject. We like to call it a mistake, right? I've made mistakes and I found that people are very, um, you know, they're very prone to say, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect and I've made my mistakes, but it's, it's very, very, you know, it's not very often that you hear people actually confess that they are sinners, right? There's a big difference. We're not quick to admit that. And sin's not a word that we like to use. We will go to great lengths to rationalize our sin or to minimize sin. We'll go to great lengths to actually deny that it even exists. But if you are denying that sin is in you today, Jesus is not in you and you're just simply lying to yourself. So the encouragement I think that he's telling us is that don't lie to yourself about your sin. Don't lie to yourself. Now, the hard part about lying to yourself is that you're a good liar to yourself. <laughs> and it's sometimes really hard to be aware of the lies that you are believing and the lies that you're telling yourself. If I knew I was lying to myself, well, I'd stop lying, wouldn't I? So we really need the power of the Holy Spirit. We really need to pray a prayer that says, God, help me to uncover the lies that I am believing, that I am telling myself. And we all know this to be true, every single human is born with a sin nature. And that sin nature is what broke our relationship with God. And that's why a savior was required, was needed. The only way then that we can have fellowship with God, a relationship with God, is if we admit that we have sinned against him and we plead the blood of Jesus. We ask Jesus to forgive us and to come into our life. We don't like sin. We don't like to think about sin, but I love what the old pastor R.G. Lee once said about sin. He said, sin is madness in the brain, a poison in the heart, an opiate in the will, a frenzy in the imagination. Sin, the disease of the soul, the instrument of everlasting ruin, the midnight blackness that invests man's whole moral being, subverted the constitutional order of man's nature. Sin, promising velvet and gaining, gaining a shroud, promising liberty and giving slavery, promising nectar and giving gall. <laughs> you know, to deny that you are a sinner is to embrace a lie. 
Some of you have never admitted that you are a sinner. To embrace a lie and to walk in darkness. And my, my plead for you today is that you would recognize that lie. That you would recognize it and, and finally get to a point of confession and confessing that to God. Because here's what he says. Look at verse 9 again. He comes back to it. He says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful. God is just. Let's not run past that. God is just. God is faithful to do what? He's faithful in your life to forgive you, to offer that forgiveness. Yes, in the moment of your conversion, when you first become a believer, but then even after that as a follower of Christ, it's a continual offering of forgiveness. It's not like you get saved and then you no longer need forgiveness. No, you, you need the cleansing of Jesus's blood every day of your life. And that's the beauty of when Jesus saves us. He's forgiving us of our past sin, our future sin, but also our present sin. But that doesn't mean that we're perfect and that doesn't mean that we're gonna be, not gonna be wrestling anymore or we don't need God's forgiveness or that we don't need, secondly, when we confess God's cleansing. We need it continually. And then he says, I think the focus here is our sin. We like to focus on your sin and what you're doing. We very rarely like to look in the mirror at what we are doing and how we are impacting the world around us. To confess means that we agree with God. It means that we agree that what we are doing is exactly as he says it is. Sinful, took Jesus to the cross, worthy of punishment in hell. Confessing is me saying, God, I agree with you. I agree that I have sin. How I have behaved and lived is wrong. And so he's clearly calling us to confess. And when we do, God is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of sins, right? And the grounds of that forgiveness, again, is the blood of Jesus. His death on the cross allows us to have that forgiveness and that cleansing. And every day after that, the work of Jesus on the cross continues to bless you, continues to bless me and cleanse me. We call it sanctification, big churchy word. Sanctification just simply means it's this concept that you're turning from various sin in your life. And as you turn from various sin in your life, you are putting it to death, you're turning away from it, and you're becoming more mature as a follower of Jesus. You're becoming more like Jesus in action and in attitude. So the Hebrew and Greek word for sanctification is really the word holy. God is holy. He commands us to be holy. He wants us to grow in holiness. So he simply just wants us to become more and more like Christ. And so when you are aware of your sin, when you recognize, that was a bad thing, I shouldn't have said that. Ooh, that was, that was what, what I'm doing or how I'm doing that, that's clearly not, not good, right? We recognize that we, can, we, we are aware of it. When that happens, he's calling us to confess it. Even as Christians, we confess that sin to God. And when we do, he is faithful to continually offer forgiveness and cleansing. And by doing this, we become more and more like him. And as we do that, we experience more and more of life, true life, more joy. As we do that, we are able to then embrace our purpose in life. And love how he uses the word cleanse. Right? The word cleanse 
gives us and, and, and points our mind into this idea that sin really defiles us as a human. It is dirty, it spoils, it rottens your relationships. It, it spoils everything in your life. In Judaism, if you sinned, you didn't just go to church on the Sabbath and worship. You had to go through a process of cleansing and being purified. And so there was, there was all kinds of uh, washing that you had to do with water and that kind of thing and prayers that you would recite. That was the process of being cleansed or purifying yourself. And the reason is because sin was, is a serious matter. It's a serious matter and it has to be dealt with. And so he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Have you done that? If you're a Christian today, is this a habit in your life? Is this something that you're continually doing? Because if it's not, I can tell you that you have crept back into the darkness in many areas of your life. And see, I think one of the signs that we're walking in darkness, or maybe you might be in a season of darkness, is that you aren't doing this. You think that you're just fine or you're good. And as long as your husband is happy, everything seems to be okay. As long as your wife's not complaining, things seem to be all right. But how far from the truth that really truly is. See, I think the encouragement here, if you're taking notes, is that when we walk with Jesus, we'll continually confess sin and you'll continually experience cleansing. That's what it looks like, sanctification, growing, becoming more and more like Christ, continually confessing and continually experiencing that cleansing. There is something powerful about confessing, even out loud to God, your sin. There's something spiritual that happens that connects us with God. Something about saying it, something about hearing it, something about just really confessing to God. In other words, agreeing with God that what you are doing is wrong and that you want more of him. Folks, that is a, the, one of the main keys to growing in maturity in your walk with Christ. It's not just learning more about the Bible. It's not just re reading more books. Knowledge is great. But if you truly want to grow in maturity, we will confess our sins and receive that forgiveness. And he is faithful and just to do it. Verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, right? So here's, the, here's that last statement here. If we say, third statement, if we say we have not sinned, what are we? We make God a liar, he says. You make God a liar. You lie about God if you say that you have sinned. No sin. So what's the encouragement here? The encouragement would be don't go, call God a liar. Now, I don't know why we would need to be reminded about that today, but I don't want to call God a liar. I doubt anybody in here or watching would say, yeah, sometimes I call God a liar. But the reality is if you've never committed your life to Jesus, you are calling God a liar. Jesus is called the son of God. He died on a cross for our sins. If you say Jesus isn't needed or required, you are calling God a liar. If you say that you don't have sin in your life, you are calling God a liar. If you deny Jesus, you are calling God a liar. The reality is I'm a sinner, you are a sinner, and we need Jesus every single day of our life. And when you confess your sins, he says that I am faithful and I am just 
to forgive you, to cleanse you of all sin. In that moment of that death to life experience, then the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And as a believer, that moment of confession then strengthens the spirit and the power within you as you do that. Have you ever done that? Are you doing that, Christian? Are you calling God a liar? I love what David says in Psalm 51, verse three. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now think about that. <laughs> Our sin is ever before us. You know how it's before you? The relational turmoil that you continually experience. That moment of where you feel like, ah, this is wrong, but ah, forget about it, I'm just gonna do it. It's before you in all kinds of visible ways, but we, re, we, we ignore it. We rationalize it. David said, it's, it was ever before me. And he says in verse four, against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You see, your sin is gonna impact your relationships and the people in your life, absolutely. But first and foremost, your sin is an affront to a holy God. It is a rejection of his truth. You're calling him a liar if you say you don't have sin. I love what David says in Psalm 32, five. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you. In other words, I confess my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I didn't try to hide it. I didn't try to sweep it under the rug. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then he says, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, no matter what you have done, God is faithful and just to forgive you, no matter what it is. There's no sin in the room that is bigger than God's forgiveness. There's no shame in the room that is bigger than God's forgiveness. Nothing has happened to you. You haven't done anything that, that surprises God. In fact, when you confess sin, he already knows it. He already knows what you're doing. You're not telling him something that he doesn't know. That's not what confession is. I'm gonna confess to God because he doesn't know. Of course, he already knows. He's not gonna be shocked. He says, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Yes, first and foremost, in salvation, some of you are lying to God. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. You have never given your life to Jesus and you need his grace today. Others of you as Christians, are you continually seeking and confession, confessing sin to him and growing in that because it's in that that he changes us. He gives us the power to overcome sin and as a Christian, we then are continually growing in that awareness of sin and confessing it to God, putting it to death. The actor, film director, Woody Allen, um, he claims to be an atheist. And one day he was asked if there, if there was a God, um, if that God spoke to you, what would you want him to say? And Allen said, if there is a God who should speak to me, I would most want to hear him say three words. You are forgiven. The truth is you can hear those words today, but it's gonna require a confession. It's gonna be an admission that you're a sinner, that you're in need of a savior. It's gonna be a willingness to then say, I wanna commit my life to Jesus. Believing that he died on the cross shedding his blood 
so that you could have forgiveness. Rising on the third day, giving you the knowledge and the, and the power to overcome sin, knowing that he is in heaven today. One day we'll be with him. Others, it's this idea that you can hear that today as well, but you've got to also be willing to make that confession and grow in your faith. And so we want to give a moment to actually do that today. And that's how we're going to close. And so if you're in the room and you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to do that today. And then we're going to stand as a congregation and just kind of, kind of dialing in on our walk with Christ. Pastor Brandon's going to lead us in really a song of confession. This song is really sermon part two, by the way. The song is really a sermon to encourage you, to encourage me to actually confess whatever is heavy on your heart today. Whatever it is, would you confess that to God, knowing and trusting that he is faithful and just to forgive you? Let's bow our heads. I wonder if there's anybody in the room that would say, I am unsure, unclear about my salvation, Trent. I would, I would, I would desire today to take that step of faith. And with a, a strong, confident hand, would you just lift it up in the room all over the place? Just lift it up and put it down as I look around. Is there anyone like that? I see you, ma'am. Anyone else? I saw one hand. Anyone else? So, okay, two. If you wanna give your life to Christ, this is a simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but this is an invitation for you to confess to God today. And that would be the first conversation with you that would lead you to a personal relationship with him. Just simply say, God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Forgive me, come into my life and save me today. I commit my life to live for you. Help me to walk with you today and for the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer, this is, as we read today, church is not a Lone Ranger deal. When you give your life to Jesus, you get a family. You get a father, a heavenly father, and you get brothers and sisters, and you get a right relationship with them. And so what I wanna encourage you to do today is walk to the care and prayer room and tell our amazing volunteers in there, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. They're gonna high five you, give you some great resources, love on you, help you on that next step. For everybody else in the room, this next part is for us. Whatever sin, whatever, whatever we're dealing with in our heart, that we would have the strength to confess it to him. Father, bless us in this time. Father, use us today to grow our relationship with you. Help us to have the, the courage to confess the sin that is in our life. We love you and we praise you. And God, we're asking you to do a work in this room. We invite your spirit to be heavy in this room, convicting us. Show us, open our eyes, open our ears to the ways in which that we are hurting you. Some of us are lying to ourselves. God, don't let us lie to ourselves anymore. Help us to see your light and your truth. 
Move in this place, God, move in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.